Wow. Great service this morning already, that's for sure. I mean, we can just walk out the doors now and say we've been to church. Amen? Amen. I feel at home, too, because uh, the Open Door Community Church that I was pastor of started in elementary school in the south end of Stafford at uh, Falmouth Elementary School. So all this is very familiar to me, the walls, the, everything, and uh, setting up the chairs and getting all the work done to get ready for church. So it's very, very familiar to me, and uh, so it, I feel relaxed. You, you probably are saying, well, you, you look a little bit like you could be related to, uh, to our pastor. Yeah, we are, Pastor Gary and I. You probably say wearing bow ties, look alike. We're very, you know, we are. We are twin brothers from another mother. Amen. You, you probably said, I, I know, I, he looks just like Pastor Gary standing up there. But a couple of things, I've got to make a point here before I start, and that is um, I get to preach behind your pulpit for the first time. So remember that, brother. And he also has to know that, um, that uh, I, I would have known uh, better, but I should have worn my Redskin jersey to church this morning. Amen, amen, amen. I got some people are saying, yeah. I, I saw him, I asked him, but don't tell me you're a Dallas fan. He said he was. I said, I'm leaving. But I'm here, and I'm here to be a part of a, a great celebration. Pastor Appreciation Sunday is really a cool time. It's really the whole month of October, if you didn't know that. It's the whole month of October. Every year is, the, is October month for pastor appreciation. And, uh, and so I, 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 I admire your church in doing that. Not all churches do. Not all churches do a very good job in appreciating their pastors. And it's, uh, it's a sad thing to say, but it's the truth. It is very true. I have a title of my message this morning. It would be called, How Much Are You Willing to Pay for Your Pastor? I want you to think about it the rest of the morning, just think about it. Don't answer that question yet, but at the end of the sermon, I will ask you to answer that question to yourself. How much you'd be willing to pay for your pastor? If you have your Bibles, and I'm guessing that you do, because it sounds like you do, if you have your Bibles in any form, if it's an electronic form, get it out. If it's in book form, like I have to do, because I'm not the smartest person when it comes to electronics, I sort of just have to have a book so I can read. And so turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. That's in the New Testament. If you don't know where it's at, go to the table of contents, look it up, find the page number, and turn right to it. It's probably going to be found on page 963. You're all looking for that page, I'm sure. Verse 17. Are you there yet? If you're there, say amen, church. Well, Pastor Gary is there, not only everybody else is, but... But here it is. I'm going to read it to you. So just follow along as I read it. Okay, here it goes. Verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 13. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. Allow me to say it to you one more time. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch over your souls as those who must give an account, must give an account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would not be profitable for you. There's much to be said about that verse, and I'll say more about it in just a moment, but let me just tell you this first. Well, a few years ago, I was part of a motorcycle group, not a gang, but a group, and we were to take a motorcycle ride to Alexandria, Virginia, to go to dinner one night, summer night, a bunch of firemen and a bunch of policemen were together, and uh, most of the men had their wives on the back of their motorcycles, but not my bride, who's sitting over here, my hero in life. She had to drive the car. We called her, she called her the chase car because we didn't have, uh, she didn't like riding motorcycles. I don't know why, but she had to drive the car. So we're on our way up to uh, Alexandria, and all of a sudden, this huge thunderstorm hit. And like smart police officers and smart firemen we are, we stopped along the side of the road, got off our motorcycles, and stood under the biggest tree you could find. Now, you probably are saying, so it's no big deal, but lightning, thunder and lightning, big trees, and there we are, the smart ones. She stayed in the car, of course, to be safe. Up to Alexandria we went. Oh, and by the way, it's okay every now and then for the church to say amen, amen. amen. I like that, I like that. We get to Alexandria, we go into the restaurant, we have dinner, we come out, and we're on heading home on our motorcycles. We're going right down through the middle of the city of Alexandria, about 15 motorcycles in her car. Get the picture. All of a sudden, one of the traffic lights had just turned yellow. The last two motorcycles in the group were mine and my son's, her, her son's. Her son was the last one in the whole motorcycle group. The light had turned yellow, 
and we had proceeded through the traffic light. That's an okay thing to do. Isn't that right, officer? Yes, sir, that's the right thing to do. And we proceeded through the light. But my son, when the light turned red, waves his mother through the traffic light. Come on, Mom, catch up. And his mother accelerated and proceeded through the traffic light. And then all of a sudden, there was a great big flash. I mean, a white flash. I thought it was lightning. We drive the motorcycles home. She follows us home. We get home to the house. And a couple, four or five days later, in the mail from the city of Alexandria government was this letter. And it said, you owe us $50 for a, running a red light in your car. Of course, we both said, not her. This lady's as pure as you'll ever find. And there ain't no way my wife ran no red light. And as we opened up the letter, guess what was in the letter as well? A picture. And that picture showed my beautiful bride behind the steering wheel, a big old smile on her face, running a red light. The purpose of that message is to let you know this. This morning you're here, I'm going to give, not I, but God's given you a caution. That was a caution light that she hit. And when that light turned yellow, we should have stopped. But the important thing is when it turned red, we better stop. And you see, I believe this morning that God has assembled all of here today. The light's turned yellow, and it's about to turn red. And what are you going to do with it? How much would you be willing to pay if there was a value to be placed on Pastor Gary? That's a question. How much would you be willing to pay? Pastor Preaching Sunday, I, I believe, is one of the coolest celebrations of all time. You can actually appreciate a man who does what they do in ministry, to appreciate your pastor. In the dictionary, let me read that to you. I mean, I need to really understand what appreciation really meant. In the dictionary, here's what it says about appreciation. A just valuation or estimate of merit. It's worth, it's weight, of, and it's also this, a recognition of excellence. And that's what the word appreciation means in the dictionary. So what value would you put on Pastor Gary? Now hold your answer. Don't answer that question yet. But I ask you, what value on this day of pastor appreciation would you put on your pastor? Allow me to give you a few statistics about the man you have standing before you here today that many men represent in churches all over the country. I've been in a pastoral role since 1995, so I'm talking about men just like myself. Some statistics have been proven now listen to this, you'll be shocked to hear some of these things. Did you know that every month of every year, 1,500 pastors will leave the church ministry? 1,500 pastors will leave the church ministry. Why? Moral failure, that's one. Spiritual burnout. They're so tired and so worn out spiritually, they cannot do anything else. And here's the big one that I found quite interesting. Because of contention and strife in the church. Not here, I'm sure. But if you were to take a look at churches all over, you'd find that churches do have contention and strife. And then there was another one that also is kind of a low number, but I was part of that number. And that's that health reasons. Men in pastoral roles are retiring at early ages. I'm only 62, a little younger than Pastor Gary, I'm sure. but I had to retire because of health. Well, what do you know contributed to some of that health? Church ministry. So you see the picture. Men that we call pastors, that we look up to like Pastor Gary, are retiring and leaving ministry for so many different reasons. 1,500 a month. I didn't know that many churches in the world. 1,500 pastors a month will leave church ministry and one of the biggest reasons is contention and strife in the church. Altercations, disagreements, quarrels, disputes, division. So this morning, I'm here to give you a caution. There's a caution light before you. What are you going to do? Are you going to proceed through? Or are you going to stop and listen to what God's got for you? Many people will proceed through because it's red. They don't care. They'll just run right through the red light. 
And what's going to happen, folks, now hear me on this. Just like it was for her when she drove through that red light, God's going to take a picture. And one day you'll stand before him just like we had to the court of Alexandria. And he'll say, what did you do with the caution? What did you do with the caution? Appreciation of your pastor. The lights turned red. What will you do? Paul, the Apostle Paul, says this in verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. You don't have to turn there, but he talks about something very specific. He says, church, there should be no contention, no strife, no division among you. He says, no. Now listen to me. Listen to me just for a minute. Do you know that word no in the Greek? Did anybody ever study the Greek around here? You know what the word no in the Greek means? It means no. That's interesting, isn't it? There's no questions asked there. No means no. And Paul said, let there be no division, let there be no strife, let there be no contentions inside God's church. The light has just turned red. Stop and truly appreciate your pastor and what you have. Don't let him become one of those statistics. That's my challenge to you, the church, this morning. Do not allow Pastor Gary to become part of one of those statistics. Let's determine how much we really do appreciate Pastor Gary. Can we do that for a moment? Listen to me. If churches would just truly understand that one thing, that one verse of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, if you would just understand that one verse, church, take that, internalize it, and study it, and let it be part of who you are as a church, I believe that those statistics would drop drastically. I believe they would come an all-time low where you wouldn't find hardly pastors leaving ministry at all. Because of that verse, I believe fewer pastors would leave the ministry if the church would understand it and pay attention to it. Let me say it this way to you. If church people, and I call church people church people for specific reasons, do you know there's two kinds of people that attend church? There's church people and there's Christians. Put them up. What are you talking about? Well, there's church people that I believe that are in churches today that don't have a clue that will run through that red light every time, have their picture taken, will stand before God and hear God say, away from you, sinner of iniquity, I never knew you. Well, there's the Christians who will stop at the light and listen and pay attention to God. And one day they'll stand before God and hear him, hear him say, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, you choose. What will you do at the traffic light when it stops? Well, here it is. Church people, I'll say some more about that at the end of the service. Church people will submit to pastors, realizing, now listen to me, this is my words, but I'm taking it from the scriptures. People, church people would submit to pastors, realizing that he watches over your very soul. My stars, can you think about it for a minute? A man's responsible for watching over your soul and my soul? That's deep. And he says more. And this man will stand before God, brother. You and I will stand before God, and we will give an account of what we've done with that responsibility. You won't stand before God and give an account of what you've done for your pastor, but your pastor will stand before God and give a true account to God, the creator of heaven and earth, what he's done to watch over your very soul. Man, that's huge. And it goes on always watching over the very soul that God puts in front of you and I. Now, here's a great place for an amen. Listen to me. A great place for an amen. That responsibility is huge. i got a few of you. That was a great place for the church to amen. A responsibility pastors have is huge. And the Bible says we're to make sure that this man does that with joy in his heart. Hey, that's not me saying that was the scriptures we quoted right there from Hebrews chapter 13. He does it with a joy in his heart. And when we do that, I like this best part, you and I will be profitable. Who wants to be profitable? We do that. We help our pastors have the joy in a heart to minister all of the time, and then it will be profitable for you and I. My goodness, that's what I'm going to do. When I find my church home, my pastor, he and I, I'm going to make sure he's always around me. I'm going to always try to fill him with joy. Joy in his heart. So how much do we really evaluate 
and appreciate our pastors. A man is called of God. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5. I want to just touch on a few things, and I'm going to close quickly, and we're going to get out of here and have a great day watching the Redskins win their second game. I like it here. There's a lot of Redskins fans here, brother. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12, and that's where I'll begin. Now listen to these words. And we urge you, brethren, Paul's urging the church. Who's he talking to? We urge you, brethren. Who's he talking to? He's talking to you. He's talking to you, the church right here, Foundation Church. He's talking to you. He says, now listen, I urge you, Foundation Church, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sakes. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, and comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. Words to the church and words to the pastor. Listen, Paul's urging you and I, you and I, right here, he's urging you and I to watch out for our pastors. You know, pastors are called men of God. Would you agree with that? Pastors are truly called men of God. And they have been tested. Men of God who stand behind pulpits today need to be tested with the things of the world, be tested with the things that we're responsible to support people with. Now, I'm not going to say this lightly, but I'm not talking about some young college fellow that comes out of college or out of seminary and he's got all the Bible knowledge in the world, you know what I'm talking about, can probably quote the Bible from front to back. Probably knows every single verse of Scripture and he can quote them better than anybody else in the whole wide world. Now, I'm not discounting that importance. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I believe an education is a great thing to have. But I believe the best pastor is that man who's been tested by the world, who's been tested by the things in this world today, I often wonder why God allowed me in the ministry, because I've been through some stuff. I was a gun-carrying, pot-smoking, drug-dealing kind of knucklehead guy, drinking alcohol, Marine. I thought I had it all going on. I thought nobody could touch me. But God got a hold of my heart. But all the things I was able to experience in my life has helped me better minister the people that God said, you are responsible for their soul. To best talk to those who have troubles. I was a tested man. Men of God, like Pastor Gary, are tested. One who's grown weary in this world. One who's grown weary and tired. He's exhausted. He's carried burdens and he's been grieved in his journey of life. A man that is tested. Not only a man is tested is that man called of God, but it's a man who is trustworthy. The Bible speaks to this. We just heard that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He's tested. He's not only tested, but he, he's there to teach and to train. Uh, how many here have children in school? Maybe, how many, maybe it's you. How many of you have been in school before? And we've allowed our teachers to instruct our kids. Don't we? Uh, this man of God that you appreciate so much has been given the responsibility to teach you what God has for you, to teach you the very principles of the scriptures that we hold before us. Men of God, pastors are trustworthy. You must trust this man and what he says and what he does. You must trust he studies and he's preparing to bring to you the best food that he can bring to you from the scriptures. I mean, this is the only thing you should teach from. This is the only thing you should pre- I don't know about you, but I used to tell my church this. We had a constitution, a set of bylaws for our church, but I used to always say this. This is the Constitution bylaws, not only for the church, but for you as a life. In your life, this is all you need. But you need somebody who can help teach you that, who can help a trustworthy man like your pastor, who can help teach you that very thing, the basic principles of what God has for you and I right here in the best book you can read. And it's not hard. But at the same time, I don't want you to be sitting here this morning thinking you have to be some theologian. No, you just have to love Jesus. You need to be what I call a Jesus freak. That's me. Big shirt I carry. I was a Jesus freak. On my motorcycle jacket, told tough guys would walk around, and on my motorcycle said this: "Real men love Jesus." And I'd go up to the big guys. They challenged me on that one. Go ahead. Real men 
love Jesus. Trustworthy. So men of God that we're talking about, you appreciate this morning, are tested men of God. They are trustworthy men. Not only that, they are tireless. Tireless servants. He is responsible for your very soul. Let me tell you something, folks. My years in ministry, I can tell you this. Some of the hardest things I had to deal with was how to minister, care for the needs of people when I saw them every day walking in disobedience to God. But at the point where I almost want to walk up to them and just slap them around a little bit and say, you're just doing it all wrong. You just do the simple things in life. God will care for you. But you know what? I couldn't. I had to carry that burden with me, knowing that if anything ever happened to them, would they really stand before Jesus and hear him say, well done? Or would they really hear him say, away from me? I can't imagine. There was a near, dear neighbor friend of mine, after I got saved, started in ministry. He got, all of a sudden I got word, uh, well, before I tell you what happened, I used to stand on my porch, he'd say, hey, hey, Brother Ron, with a cigarette in his hand and a beer, let's go ahead and play some golf and drink some beer. And I'd say, no, brother, I can't, I'm going to church. I'd gotten saved. You see, my life had changed. And he'd seen all this stuff going on, he'd go, boy, that guy's really a nut. I'm going to turn to one of them church people. And I was going to church, and he was doing his thing. And I never talked to him about Jesus. And then one day, I was back in my driveway on a snowy morning. His son came over to me and said, guess what? At 48 years old, Dad died of a massive heart attack. That burdens me. You know why? Because I don't know if that man made it to heaven. I'm not sure. He didn't live the life of a Christian. I was burdened with people in church. And I know your pastor is burdened when people are not being obedient to God. Uh, maybe all of you are going to say, well, that's not me, brother. I'm squeaky clean. I'm so obedient that this flows all through me. I bleed obedience. Well, good for you. Proud of you. But I know this. We in ministry fret and worry and really have a challenging time in life over the people that God's entrusted us with. When we read that scripture, you, Pastor Gary, are responsible for the souls of your people. I don't know about you, but it, for me, what a burden to carry. What a burden to carry about people. And all that going on while he has to worry about the house of God. And I appreciate you, the church, letting him do nothing. I talked to him before he walked in. He was so happy he was able to do nothing today. It's kind of hard for us to do as pastors because we want to be doing something all the time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was busy sweeping floors, getting in the way, cleaning bathrooms. I was always getting in the way of people who wanted to help, but I wanted to get right in front of them. I'm sure it's probably your pastor as well. We've got to be busy doing those things. But it's so good to know there came a Sunday when everybody just said, Pastor Gary, sit down and just do nothing. That's what we want you to do. Just do nothing. Value on a man called of God. Uh, and I'm here to tell you something. Maybe you don't know this, but you know, God really does place men in your presence that he intends to be here. You know that, don't you? It's not some secret thing like, well, we're going to choose Gary. He's going to be our pastor. No, sorry, it doesn't work that way. God puts men in churches where he wants them. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me that. Listen to what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 23, verse 4. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Do you hear that? You hear what he says there? I, God said, I'll set shepherds. That's pastors. I'll put pastors in churches to feed the flock. I heard you this morning speak very highly of Pastor Gary, and I so appreciated to hear that. Because God has placed Gary here to shepherd, to be your shepherd, to be the one who carries you through your journey of life spiritually. And so... We do appreciate men of God, called of God, placed in church. Put a value on that man. Remember, your pastor is just that. He is just a man, but he's been tested by God. Amen? He certainly is trusted. He's a trustworthy man. And I believe what I know about Pastor Gary, he's tireless in his servanthood. He is a tireless servant watching over your souls. Paul spoke to that very clearly in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I hope you heard it. 
Not only did he say, he talked about those that are tested and trusted and tireless, but he also said that man who is tested and who is trusted and who works tirelessly, busy persuading people, warning those who are unruly, the Bible said, warning those who are unwilling to submit to the Scriptures, willing to, to work with those who do not have any regard for authority. That's not anybody here, I'm sure, but people walk, church people have no regard for the authority of God. You know that, Amen. Church people have no concerns. So Pastor Gary and pastors behind pulpits that believe that this is the only thing we can do here is speak the truth, speak from the scriptures, speak the gospel truth, is to say this. We're here to warn you. Caution, light, remember? Caution, there's the light before you to warn you to do what? When God starts to speak, you better stop and listen. Because if we choose to go through the light, there's going to be a great big flash. It's going to be a camera in heaven, and it's going to have your picture. And you'll stand before God one day and hear him say, either well done or I never knew you. It's going to be our choice to run through that light. So there's Pastor Gary tirelessly persuading people to pay attention to those who are unruly, persuading those church people how important it is to hear it is, how important it is for you and I to obey. I, I'm big on acronyms. I love them. I like to take words and, and put words to them. One of my favorite acronyms is power. How many here, don't, don't hesitate, now you just walk with, with me on this one. How many here would really like to have the power of God in their life? Raise your hand. Everybody in the building. You know what God's power is? I'm going to give it to you in an acronym form, make it easy for you to understand what God's power is. Here it is. It's first to be a prayer warrior. Pray. We can read that right. Pray. Pray, pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Pray always. Always pray. Well, I pray and God doesn't answer. Well, maybe you don't really have God's power because the next thing he says in that word power is the letter O. Here it comes. Obedience. Be obedient. Number three letter is, did I get number three letter? Number three letter is uh, W is witness. What does that mean, Pastor Ron? Tell people what Jesus has done in your life. You don't have to be a theologian to say that, do you? I can tell people why I was once lost, but today I'm found. I was once blind, and today I can see. That's easy for me to tell my story. I don't have to quote scripture to tell my story, but I tell people about Jesus. I witness the letter W. The other word is E, the letter E. Engage. Get engaged in your church. Help Pastor Gary set churches up, chairs up. Help Pastor Gary move the pulpit around three, four times in a service. Stand before God and be busy serving God, helping your pastor do the things that he really shouldn't have to do. The church should say, I want to be there to do that. Engage in church. And then the last is, take the best reading material in the whole wide world and read it. You hear what it says, P-O-W-E-R? Power, pray, obey, witness, engage, and read. But you know what we have a problem with? We all probably pray. We all pray. I pray. I pray. I pray all the time. Oh, God, give me a parking place. And then he gives me one like on the other end of the parking lot. Because he knows I need the exercise. And I know that we all probably say, well, Pastor Ron, I tell people about Jesus. And I'm engaged in the, in the church. I, I'll move the pulpit. I set flowers in place. I lay the carpet down. I sweep the floors. I'm engaged. I read the Bible. Wednesday morning, Wednesday evening Bible study, I'm reading the Bible. But one letter we left out, didn't we? Obey. Jesus said this in the simplest way. He says, if you love me. How many love the Lord? He says, if you love me, then simply obey the word. Simply obey. That's the words of Christ. If you truly love Jesus, then just obey. And that brings power into your life, P-O-W-E-R. That's God's power. You've got to have it all. Take one letter out, doesn't spell power anymore, does it? So if you don't pray, you don't spell power, do you? No power. If you don't, if you don't obey God, take the letter O out, which is probably all of us are probably very, very, as for me, I would just speak for me now, we probably all could say, yeah, well, I have a hard time obeying God all the time. I do. But you know, when I take that letter out, I don't have God's power. Nor will you. 
You've got to put it in clear, clear perspective, folks. You want God's power to be a prayer warrior, be obedient, witness, engage, and read. And we don't always do it all the time right, do we? He has to persuade people. He has to tirelessly persuade people how important it is to do those five things. And I believe he does. That's a great place for an amen. amen. Always attempting to bring, always while he's tirelessly working to help people understand to obey God, he then is tirelessly working to bring peace of mind into your life. I don't know about you, but as a pastor, as a minister, there's many times I've stood over a hospital bed and watched people just slip away and have to give some comforting words to somebody to help them get through the next minute, the next hour, the next day, the next week, the next month. A few years ago, we had a serious fire in Falmouth in a townhouse complex. Three babies burnt in that fire. Three children, all three of the children died that day in that fire, and I had to stand with that mother in the back of an ambulance and try to bring peace of mind into her life. And that's what pastors do. And that's what you would expect him to do, amen? amen? But hear me, folks, that's a tireless effort. We get tired. It draws on our own emotions, our own strength. It makes us worn out. It brings peace of mind, comforting others who are faint-hearted, the Bible says. Even during the worst of times in people's lives. Now, here's what peace is, I believe. Peace is that calm assurance. We have got to bring that calm assurance to you, to the church, to people. We need to bring calm assurance to people in the worst of times, calm assurance that what God is doing is always best. Even during tough times. You hear that again. Peace is the calm assurance. Take a deep breath. That calm assurance that whatever you're going through today, I don't know what that is. Only you and God know. But we are responsible to help bring that calm assurance that whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is, I can assure you, that God is doing the best thing in your life, even when things are bad. And I've been through some tough times, and I tell you this, it's always bring that calm assurance to know that God is still on the throne. God is in control today. God, by the way, is real. There's nothing false about him. There's nothing made up about God. He is as real as the air you're breathing right now. In fact, he's making it possible for you to breathe that air. That calm assurance. So he's tirelessly persuading people to obey God. He's tirelessly bringing peace of mind to people during difficult times. And he's responsible to tirelessly stand up and protect you and I, upholding the weak, the Bible says. How? Through evangelizing you, the church, making sure you hear the message of Jesus Christ, and not only through evangelizing, but through equipping you. I heard about your Bible studies on Wednesday night. Praise the Lord, brother. Keep it rolling. Bring them in here. Wednesday night is the best time for you to come to church. Wednesday night, get it all. Suck it all in. Grow. I don't want you to grow so you can quote Scripture. I want you to grow so you can live it. He's got to bring people together to evangelize the world, to equip you. And all along, at the same time, he is tirelessly, tirelessly, always prepared to equip you and to encourage you. Encourage you to go back into the way you live, in the life you live, and stand before very difficult times and trust God. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Now, before we place any value on my brother and your pastor, I want you to understand this. This man of God, men of God that are ministry are called, they are tested. They are tested. It's the best ones you can find that are tested with the world. They are trusted. They tirelessly persuade people to obey God, which is a tough thing in itself. They are tirelessly bringing peace of mind during difficult times and protecting you and I. The souls, the very souls of people, 
I'm not just talking about teaching you math and English and arithmetic or how to read the scriptures, how to understand John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who just believed in him would have everlasting life. I'm not, no, I'm talking about the soul, the very soul of people. And I happen to believe, folks, that it's the most important job in the whole wide world. That's more important than the president of our United States. No matter who's in office, it doesn't matter. He has a job more, more important than the president of our very United States, and they can put that on tape and broadcast it. Pastor Ron Thayer said it. So now that we have an understanding of what God has brought to you here in your pastor, a man's tested and trustworthy, a man who works tirelessly, and now you see what it is we appreciate let, let me get ready to close. And I close over and over again, so don't get too excited. <laughs> Pastor Gary didn't tell me. He just said I'd be done by the Redskins. He was excited to go watch the Redskins win their second game. So he told me in the room. I think he told me that. Maybe well, I thought he told me he was looking forward to that. But before I do close, as we talk about pastor appreciation. Let's, let's understand what God expects of this man. You'd want to know that, wouldn't you? Amen. And what I've talked about is he's, he's been tested. He's trustworthy. He works tirelessly. That's what you expect of him. You expect him to be a man tested of the things of the world. You expect him to be a trustworthy man. You expect him truly to be worked tirelessly. Amen? Yeah. Well, let's see what God expects of him. Can we do that real quick, and then I'll get ready to close, and we're done. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 6. My journey in life included... First, being lost, <laughs> not walking with Jesus. My children over here, my precious bride, she'll tell you it was a rough road. It was a rough road for them. But then I got saved. And, and then when I got saved, I had this burning desire to serve the Lord, and I became a deacon. And, and, and I, I just love working and serving the Lord. So when I say what I'm about to say, I say it with conviction in my heart that I know this is the truth. I know that's exactly the way it should be. Not only because Ron says it, but because the Bible says it. And, and I happen to believe that's the only thing I have to, have to measure my life to. Amen? Amen? Pick up the scripture and say, it says what it, God said it this way. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I, well, I appreciate the amen, but I'm going to say that's wrong. Put them up. <laughs> I don't, I don't, it's not wrong. But it is wrong. Because here's how it should be said. And you track with me. Please, those who said amen, because you're right, you got it pretty, you're close. God said it. That settles it. I don't care if you believe it. I, I mean, I do, right? I do, but I don't. <laughs> I, I want you to. I expect you to. And by the way, you should. But God said it. That settles it. Settles it for me. Acts chapter 6, and verse 4, he says this. Because I believe every bit of the word of God, amen? amen? But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Oh, well, so big about that, Pastor Ron. Let me, let me unpack it for you. Let me just give it to you this way. The, the church at the time had really grown tremendously. I mean, they'd grown, they'd grown thousands. They had grown by leaps and bounds. I mean, they were jam-packed. This, this place here would be like, bulging at the concrete walls and people would be out in the hallways. But, I mean, they were jam-packed. And they were rocking like you were this morning. And there they were, just like church people, <laughs> complaining. Remember I said in the beginning, why some pastors leave church? It's because people in church just want to complain. And there they were, they were complaining. The Bible says it. You read it. In Acts chapter 6, verse 1, start right there if you want, but that's where it starts. The people were complaining. And, and then all of a sudden, the disciples said, you know, we've got to stop this complaining because we've been called by God to be tested men. Disciples said, we've been called by God to be trustworthy men. The, the, the disciples said, we've been called by God to work tirelessly serving, but we're overwhelmed. So, Let's go ahead and find us some men that can help us out in partnership. Hey, and by the way, I, I'm a firm believer. I told Pastor Gary this this morning. I'm a firm believer. Thank you for the women of the church. 
Thank you for the ladies of the church who have held the church together for years, for decades. If it wasn't for the women of the church, the church would have folded. I, we, I, we, got, we got men in this world today that are spineless. Uh, don't you guys want to go hassling me, wrestling me at the side? I'm a pretty bad dude. But let me tell you, we got men today that don't stand up for Jesus. We got men today that don't love their wives like Jesus Christ loved the church. And my Bible says he was ready to die for it. And so I'm just saying, I thank God for the women of the church who held the church together for years, who have been the leaders in churches for years. But it's time for men today to say, we want to be a partner with our pastor. And we're going to bring strength to the church, manly strength to the church. You know what I'm talking about? Manly strength to the church. We won't let anybody talk about our pastor. You talk about him, we're putting up our dukes. We'll lay hands on you, and then we'll thank God. And then pray for forgiveness. Here's what God expects your pastor and pastors to do who may listen to this audio tape. Right there in the scriptures, they had to call men to help your pastor so they could do two things. And only two things, Pastor Gary, that God expects of you. Two things and two things alone. To be in prayer constantly for the souls of the people. Let me tell you, there's been times when I was pastoring my church just not too far from here. And I used to put a sign on my door and said, stop, I'm in prayer. Because so often the phone would ring, interrupt my prayer, right in the middle of praying for somebody's soul. Can you imagine what it would be like to stand before God and say, well, Lord, <laughs> I was praying for their soul, but the phone rang. And it happened to be the guy down the street wanting to know if he could get a little extra money for gas. Interrupted the prayer. I interrupted doing business with God for the souls of some people, whoever it might have been who had been on my mind that day, praying for the soul of that people, that person, the events, the circumstances, my church. And it'd be a knock at the door. And somebody would want to walk in the door and they would want to talk about, guess what I read in the paper today? Oh, gosh. Uh, he, he is responsible to two things. One is to pray, he's responsible for praying for the souls of you who God's entrusted him to. Pray. And then secondly, he is responsible to prepare. Did you know that? He's responsible to pray and to prepare the best food he can to bring before you, the church. And I don't know about you, but I don't know about Pastor Gary, but that for me, even leading up to this point, as exciting as it was to be here this morning, it's been a nervous time for me. You know why? Because i got to take God's word and deliver it to you to where it makes sense to you, where you can internalize it deep into your soul and walk out of here a changed person. Because we can all change every day, can't we? We all can learn something every day, amen? I mean, there's a great uh, evangelist who used to say this, he'd say, i, I got to tell you this over and over again because sometimes we need to be reminded of the things we've already been told. And to do that, tough. Brings tireless hours to sit down and prepare the Word of God and to listen through prayer. So in conclusion, you read it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, he talks about the pastor being somebody who will serve and somebody who will be busy preparing. Praying and preparing. This pastor appreciation should be every day. You guys shouldn't appreciate your pastor just on Sunday morning, this Sunday in October. It shouldn't be just once a month. It shouldn't be a month out of a year. It ought to be every day. How do you do that? Every now and then send him a card of thank you. Every now and then send him a little email notice that says, thank you, pastor. Every now and then when he says, when, he, when you walk in, you say, that was a really good message, and don't do it like you don't mean it. That was a good message. Tell him that was a good message. That touched my heart. That blessed my soul. Remember? He's responsible for your soul. Every time I make him a phone call or maybe invite him to lunch or invite me to lunch, I'd go anytime you want to take me to lunch. <laughs> but appreciate him every day, amen? Through words of encouragement. Here's one, through words of commitment. Pastor, don't worry about that task. I'll, I got it. I'll take care of getting the church set up on Sunday mornings. 
Don't you worry about setting up that soundboard and those speakers, Pastor. I, I'll run that wire down the middle of the road. Oh, Pastor, don't you worry. About, I'll make a commitment, Pastor. I'll take care of that task for you. I'll make sure that the school and the church is cleaned up before you leave. You go on home and rest now, Pastor. You need that rest. I had a person tell me one day, and I'm getting ready to close. Trust me, I really am. But remember, I told you I'd do it over and over again. And she told me this. She said, she said Pastor Ron, you pastors work like two hours a week. Like 10 to, 10 to 12 every Sunday morning. And I said, yeah, you're right, honey. Just make sure when you're sick, it's within that time frame. <laughs> and she said, I'm just kidding. Make no mistake about it. Help the pastor. Give him words of commitment. Say, I'll do it. I'll be there for that. So you can be in prayer and preparation. That's what he needs to do. Don't you want him to be in the best word, best word of God that he can to you? Don't you want to be clean and pure and exactly right on? Or do you want him to bring your, his words to you? You want Brother Gary to stand before you and tell him what he thinks? No. Amen. You want Brother Gary to stand before you and tell you what God says? And that's simply all there is to it. So give him words of encouragement, give him words of commitment, and then give him words like this morning through great appreciation Value your pastor. What value would you put on your pastor, knowing he is a man who has been tested, a man who is trustworthy, and a man who tirelessly serves you, your soul? You see, one day, and I know Brother Gary knows this, one day he and I will stand before God and give an account. Differently than a typical Christian man, we've got to get a, give an account of what we've done in taking care of the souls of the people. And that, my dear friend, is a huge task. And I'm asking you, the church, I'm challenging you, the church, be prepared to give him words of encouragement every day. You want to appreciate him, do it every day. Give him words of commitment and be real. Stand behind it and do it. Just do it. And be prepared to give him words of appreciation for who he is that truly man that God has placed here. And by the way, don't let him become one of those statistics. I beg you, church, let him not become one of those statistics. I can tell you that not too far down the street, some people are sitting today saying, we let our pastor become one of those statistics. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I asked Pastor Gary and everybody in prayer right at the moment if I could do this, and he said yes without question. I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't think you can. I don't think you can be a church, a church person. And maybe you didn't hear anything I said today. But the most important thing I'm going to say to you is right now. If you hear nothing else I've said all day, you hear what I say to you today. Maybe you are a church person. And you're the kind of person who really says, you know, I don't really know how to appreciate my pastor. I don't really know what it's like to pray. I don't know anything about being obedient to God. I can't witness. I can't engage in church. I don't know, don't know anything about it. Don't read the Bible, but I want to. Maybe you're here today for the first time and, and you're hearing the message that, that, that Pastor Ron is bringing to you that's saying, I want to be a person who can call on God's power. And the only way you can do that is to become somebody who says, I believe. I want to offer you an opportunity today. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, I don't know how to do that, but I want to. I want to offer you today an opportunity to say, today I don't, I'm no longer a church person. Today I am a Christian who believes in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how you become a believer. Maybe that's not you today, but you want to be. Here it is. Just simply pray a simple prayer with me right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed. There's no one looking around, just me. And, and I, I'm not going to embarrass anybody here. I just want you to be given an opportunity today to become a believer. A true believer in Christ Jesus. Not a church person, but a believer. Here's the prayer for you. Right where you're seated quietly pray this prayer to God 
you and him do business right now. No one else. This is between you and God. Just pray this simple prayer quietly right where you're seated today. Here it is. I'll give you some words. You can follow right along with me quietly. Here's the prayer. Dear Lord Jesus. Go ahead. That's you. Dear Lord Jesus. Today I realize I'm a sinner. I'm a church person. And I ask you today to please forgive me. Come into my life and save me. Take me to heaven when I die. I know that you, Lord Jesus, died on the cross for my sins. Dear Lord Jesus, save me. That's my prayer. Head bowed and eyes closed. If that was your prayer this morning, my Bible says this, for whosoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever is you, calls on the name of the Lord, pray. It says, shall be saved. That means you're saved. That means you're no longer a church person, but you're a Christian. And now you can recognize your pastor is a man that's been tested, that your pastor is a man who is trustworthy, and your pastor is a man without question who tirelessly will work for your soul. And you're prepared today to give him words of encouragement, words of commitment, and words of appreciation. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning, for those who have listened intently, Father, this morning to this just a simple man to give a message about how to appreciate truly our pastors. And I pray, God, that these words will be taken and internalized in the hearts of the people of Foundation Church. Most importantly, I pray, Father, if there been one here today that prayed that simple prayer saying yes to Jesus, that before they leave here today, they will walk up to Pastor Gary or myself and say, today I prayed that prayer, and today I'm no longer a church person, but I'm a Christian. I'm a lover of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my prayer today. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be here. Bless this church like never before. Let it grow, Father, like never before. Let this be the beginning of a new day when the people of this church will say, we're going to go out and we're going to invite people next week to fill the chairs that are empty, and we're going to fill this place up next week. And God, people are going to come from all over, all walks of life. Because we want them, the people of this world, to see a pastor that we appreciate so much for his tireless efforts praying for the souls of the people. That's our prayer this morning, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all very much for putting up with me. I, I, I love this man. I appreciate him so much, but he, he, he's, uh, he's a little older than I am, so um, I probably went a little longer than he would. But God bless you all, and thank you.